The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode number 112 of the Latter-day Lives podcast. I'm your host, Sean Rapier. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. Uh, Before we get into the episode, I want to thank a couple of reviews that we've had on Facebook. Uh, One that I think I missed, Garnet Dave Jolly. Uh, Thank you so much for your kind words and your five-star review on Facebook, as well as this past week, Tammy Thornton. Thank you so much. Both of you left such nice reviews, and we appreciate it. We've maintained our five-star average on Facebook, and it just helps when other people are considering the show. So thank you so very much. Uh, this week on the show, my conversation, uh, Abby Stevens, be prepared to be inspired. It was so wonderful to meet Abby and what she has been through you're not going to believe this story. It's absolutely incredible. I got to meet her and her husband, two amazing people. Our home was so blessed to have them here and to hear her incredible story of trial and faith, and it's just wonderful. And this week in my Latter-day Life, I'll tell you how I learned about uh, a night that ultimately became a win, even with a loss. It's all coming up. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. And today in the Latter-day Live studios, what a pleasure and an honor it is to have someone with such an incredible story, Abby Stevens. Welcome to the show. Thank you. So excited. I am so excited to have you on. We met recently and your story is so incredible. I've been thinking about it for days. I've been <laughs> giddy to meet you. So, uh, But before we get into your story, let's talk the backstory. Tell us a little bit about where you're from, where you grew up. Okay, so uh, funny story. I'm from Cokeville, yeah. Wyoming, the Cokeville Miracle Cokeville. The Cokeville, <laughs> everybody, everybody knows Cokeville because of the so, movie, The yes. Cokeville Miracle. yes. Yeah. Put us on the map because honestly, there's not much more there that would put us on the map. <laughs> yeah. Who would hear of Cokeville without that story? Right. right. Well, because it's, you know, population 550, give or take a few cows and sheep. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's teeny tiny. You're a real small town girl. I am a small town girl. Kind of. Okay. I, I grew up small town girl. So I know what small town is about. But... When I got out of the small town, I was like, yeah. So no more with the small town. Right. Okay. Yeah. But but I we I my parents still live there. Um I have two sisters that still live there. Um so that's home. Yeah. Um, and you were there during the Cokeville Miracle experience. So I was in 7th grade. Yeah. Uh my brother was in 4th, so I I have the one brother that was in it. So 1986, May May 16th, 1986, a man and his wife come in and I mean this is the briefest nutshell version because come into They come in to Cokeville. They come in. Yeah. Um have a homemade bomb. They go into the elementary school and I say the because it is a small town and there is only one elementary school and they come in with their bomb um and all kinds of guns and ammunition and all of this. 
and take the take the elementary hostage. Um, and being over in the high school in the other building, um, we just got you know. So this is my version because I wasn't in the in the school, but right. as a seventh grader, we get a a announcement over the intercom from the principal. We're in uh, whatever period, fifth period, whatever, right after lunch. And he just says, basically, we've we've had a bomb scare at the elementary. We don't want anybody to, you know, freak out yet. We don't have a lot of information. Wow. Um, but what we want to do is have everyone come down to the auditorium and we'll we'll talk about it. So um, my dad was the English teacher. He jokes that he's the English department. So there's <laughs> there's one of every teacher. That's how small yeah. it is. So my dad was there, you know, with me in the in the building. Oh. He the, he just had us all come to the auditorium, and this is depicted in the movie, by the yeah. way, um, where we all go down and he, you know, we talked about it for a minute, and then we basically said a prayer. So this is not a common thing in in most schools. This yeah. is not going to take place in most schools. You all said like a, a public prayer. Like a together. Someone wow. offered a prayer as a group. Mm. We prayed. So yeah. this is 7th through 12th. Um, and your brother was there. My brother is over in the, elementary, the elementary school, school. in 4th grade. And I have no idea what's going on. Oh, and um, what we did, you know, we, we were all dismissed after the prayer. So because who's going to stay at school and... You know, we just needed to not be at school. Yeah. Um, however, I couldn't go home to my house because uh, it's right, it borders the elementary school, like my wow. backyard and then fence and then elementary school yard. And so they had evacuated those homes immediately around yeah. the elementary school. So I went down to my aunt's house down about a mile down the other end of town. They had the radio going. And then all of a sudden, he says, wait, wait, wait. And then he says, the bomb has gone off. And I just remember. <gasps> anyway, it was it was really frightening and yeah. traumatizing. And I didn't know what to do. Obviously, we had prayed a lot. Yeah. And I'm just praying. I don't know, you know, is my brother alive? Is my Are my cousins alive? I had seven other cousins in there. And then comes the miracle. And then, you know, as it all kind of wrapped up and we... You know, things settled down, find out that not a single child or any other person, teacher, all of the people that had been held hostage, nobody was dead. That's an incredible story. Except the man and his wife. Yeah. So. That is such an amazing story, and the film is beautiful. Yeah. And you got to be an extra in the I film. I got to be an extra. An and that was a neat time. experience, though, to be a part of. And yeah. T.C. Christensen, that made the movie, yeah. um, was really great. Did a lot of you know interviews with all the people that wanted to and really, really did a great job and, and just outright said, anybody from Cokeville that wants to be in this movie, you come, you will find... You know, so so many of the extras in that movie are just people oh, from Cokeville. Oh, that's neat. And such a great film. Yeah. So growing up in Cokeville, other than the Cokeville Miracle, right. which is where everybody's mind goes right. first, how was life growing up in Cokeville? What were you What were you into? You know, really great. And I I did grow up in, in the church. Um, my family, um, generational members, I mean, go way yeah. back. We're a performing family. We're mm, very fun. musical. Yeah. Um, 
Now, also, being from a small town, there's not enough people to go around to do all the things. Um, so you see, there are no cliques because everybody does everything. So mm, yeah, I, nice. I graduated with the biggest class ever to graduate from Cokeville High with a whopping 32 no way people. yep 32 people yep. in your graduating class yep and the biggest ever i love it so like literally like twice the size of most of the classes average class size is 15 ish so so um i was involved in everybody was involved in everything yeah not, i can imagine not everyone did all the things but you've got half the football team in the choir yeah and all the you know <laughs> athletics all of that just all was across the board sure. because it's there wasn't enough people to go around. 30 of you. Yeah. Yeah. So I did all the things, which yeah. I think is actually a really, it's really kind of a benefit to living in a small town because mm. you could try all of it. Right. And figure out which you yeah. liked the best. I love you that. You know? So, love it. So that's where I kind of figured out that music and performing was my thing. It's awesome. From Cokeville, where where'd you go from there? So then I, because that's what I loved, <laughs> I went to BYU. We're also a a big BYU family. Yeah. I was in the musical dance theater program there at BYU. That's great. So how was yeah. the program? So much fun. So much fun. Yeah. I loved it. Those are my people. You're a true performer. I, oh gosh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Awesome. Honestly, that is what I wanted to do professionally. I wanted to, to be on big stages and in movies. I always wanted to be famous. I, when I was younger would, um, you know, so I'm a, I'm an 80s, 80s, 90s girl, right? Yep, we're same age. Right? Yep. And so my favorites, my I guess my idols were the big voices. So we're talking Mariah Carey, Celine Dion, yeah. Whitney, Whitney Houston, Houston sure. the huge the big sirens, voices. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I wanted to do. That's what I wanted to it's be. Fun. And so I loved it there. I thrived there. And like I said earlier, like... Small town girl, but when I got out and got to BYU, I was like, yes, there's so many people and I'm super social and just, I mean that I just have found my place. Yeah. I got to Provo and couldn't believe how small it was. (laughs) I really did. I got to Provo. Because you're from California, right? Yeah. Yeah. I got to Provo and I went, this is the smallest town (laughs) I have ever seen. Like it was so tiny and quaint. So... Um, Isn't that funny how perspective? Yeah, yeah. it's all perspective. Right. So where'd you go from there? Where'd you go from BYU? Okay, so uh, you know this is this is ninety one to ninety three, ninety four. At that time, girls didn't go on a mission as much as they do now. Like it wasn't a thing. Yeah. And so, plus you had to be twenty one, right? Yeah. It was still sure. back then, and. And I mean, honestly, I, it had never crossed my mind if people asked if I wanted to go on a mission. I was like, no way. Like, I'm going to find this great guy. I'm going to get married. I'm going to perform. You know, I had this big plan. I tried out a couple for a couple years for Young Ambassadors. Mm. That was my like main. Yeah, that's kind of a lot of performers' dreams at BYU. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. the top. That's sure. like the thing. Right. Right. The ultimate so I tried out, you know, my first year and I got the whole, you know, you're a freshman and all these other people have put in their dues and yeah. all the blah, blah, blah that goes with that. Great. And then, you know, a couple of years there, tried out again and I just knew that I was going to make it, just knew it. And, um, 
twisted my ankle in the dance audition and it kind of put me out. Anyway, long, long story short, didn't make it. Very disappointed, very discouraged and frustrated and, and really quite sad, to be honest. And it kind of humbled me, brought me to my knees again, right? Yeah. We have those opportunities in life. And the thought was, go on a mission. And I was like, what? That's, no, no. Keep praying. Mission? <gasps> what? So I called my mom, you know, because you have to call your mom. And I'm like, mom, I, I kind of feel like I'm supposed to go on a mission. And she says to me, well, I've kind of thought that for a long time, but I knew you'd need to come to that decision on your own. Mm. That was it. I decided to go on a mission. Uh, got Where'd called, you serve? Got called to the Florida Jacksonville mission. I love Jacksonville. Love it, love it. Was I so was just excited. there three weeks ago. Yeah. Love Jacksonville. Yeah. Beautiful place. And long story short... That is where I met my husband. Awesome. So, yeah, that's where we met. This is a trend in the Latter-day Live studio. <laughs> oh, We've really? Had several guests recently, yeah, who have met uh, met their spouse while while serving Sorry. on a mission. Yeah. I'm glad because back then it was kind of a what? You did what? You know. No, now and it's, now I think it's, it's like, awesome. Yeah. Tell us so, your husband's name. My husband's name is Cole Stevens, yeah, which and... I got to meet Cole a little earlier. So awesome. Yeah. Yep. So you get home from your mission, and did you and Cole reconnect pretty quickly? Yeah. Well, the last six months, he was my district leader and zone leader, and then he got called to BAP. We had a little chat about that, because I thought he would be, and he didn't think he would be. So we made a little wager, and the wager was paid up when we yeah. returned home. What was the wager? Um, well, I just said, I bet you will. And he said, I bet we, I won't. And I was like, okay, uh, how about a loser takes the winner of the wager to dinner when we're not missionaries anymore? Perfect. Right? <laughs> and I had to word it just, just right. So it wasn't later. all that's like great. flirty, whatever. I love it. Abby, so yeah, great. so that's what we did. Fun. So he lost the bet because then he was called yeah. to be assistant of the president. So you guys and started dating right so, after the mission? Yeah. So I got home December. He got home January. He got home January 1st. I gave him a call because I was not willing to let anybody else <laughs> awesome. have a chance. Yeah, it was a yeah. little quick. How long did you guys date before you got engaged? So that was January. Um, I called the temple in February. Yeah. Set the date for June 28th. This mm. is 1996. Then on June 21st, one week before, is the day that our life changed forever. Yeah. So June 21st... Um, we were actually headed to my cousin's wedding reception up in Cokeville. I picked up Cole. He had to work that day, so he couldn't go to the actual wedding. But I picked him up after work, and we were headed up to that reception. And that is that is when um, we crashed. We had a an accident that... Yeah. A single car accident. Um, no one else involved. He just looked down at me for a minute. We were on a little two-lane highway in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And we rolled... And so the, so what, what was it? A car, a van, a truck, just a little car, little four door, four door geo prism. Yeah. Little white. And it rolled car. and it rolled because he, he went, he, as he looked down at me and the road curved a little, he went off onto the shoulder, which scared him, scared me. I was asleep at the time. I was reclined all the way in my seat, which you don't do. Um, and this was actually the only time we were not wearing our seatbelts. And 
And wow, you had no seatbelt on. No seatbelts. And, and it was the only time. If anything else, people get nothing else from my story. Wear your seatbelt. Put on a seatbelt. Put on yes. a seatbelt. Right? It was just a mistake. It was just being careless. Wow. We didn't wear them. And it was the little car we had was had the automatic one that slides up when you shut the door. Yeah. And so it's kind of, you feel Did like you you've got your seatbelt. On? You had on? Yeah. So you had on the, the shoulder The part, shoulder harness comes but up. But not the lap belt. But not the lap belt. My gosh. And so, you know, it kind of gives you like a feeling like you're belted in but yeah, kind of kind of but not yeah. because then i'm reclined so it's not down, even doing anything yeah do you so, remember the accident so i remember as as he went off the shoulder and it, he jerked the car overcorrected into the oncoming lane that woke me up of course so i sat up i grabbed his arm i said watch out because i thought a car was coming it's a very not a very heavily traveled road but he overcorrected again and at that moment i remember him grabbing the wheel and overcorrecting from that moment, I don't remember. So I don't know what I hit. I don't know if I blacked out from fear or whatever. But we rolled. He went. We went off the side of the road, hit this ditch. It flipped the car. We rolled one time, landed on the wheels. I don't remember any did of that. Did you stay in the car? Stayed in the car, miraculously. You were in the car. Yep. When did you become conscious again? So I, I'm not sure how many minutes, but I think just within minutes. But you woke up in the car. Mm-hmm. Woke up in the car. He's, uh, there's just all this dirt everywhere. We had hit this clay dirt on the side of the road. And I remember trying to open my eyes, but they hurt because of all this dirt. And I had contacts. Um, and so I'm having a hard time opening my eyes. I was actually having a hard time determining what had just happened if I was still asleep? Am I having this horrible nightmare? Mm. But you, know, you were right side to, up. You were on the we wheels. We were on the wheels. Okay. So as I could finally open my eyes, I could hear Cole calling my name. He's trying to find me because I was not in my seat anymore. And as the dirt settled, he could see I was not there. But then he could see that my feet were there. Mm. And that I think is about the time I could see, look down, could see my feet in that seat. I'm diagonal between those bucket seats my head's in the back seat behind the driver's side and I'm trying to make sense of where I am and I I was scared because I was confused but at the same time I felt the spirit like I felt comfort everything's gonna be okay Mm. and I he came around to the back door opened that door knelt down by my head and I just remember looking up into his face. He was holding on to my face. And I said, tell me this is a dream. And he said, no, this is real. And I said, then pray. Because I already knew prayer worked. You had the presence of mind to say then pray. Yeah. because Abby, that's amazing. That was the answer to all of my struggles. I knew that was first. Mm. So, I'm watching you and our audience can't see you. And I'm seeing this was so many years ago, but I'm watching you relive it. And like, it's painful to watch. This is hard to like, like I'm enthralled with the story. And I know it's your story. And I know you've told it a million times. So many times. But I'm seeing you live this again. I'm yeah. so sorry. Like, I'm so sad for you. But, but let's let's continue. So, so you say then pray, pray for us. Yeah, and he so he says a prayer. And pray wow. very short prayer, 
And because here we are in literally the middle of nowhere, sagebrush for miles, the car that I thought I saw coming for us, I don't know what happened, but we didn't have a phone. This is 96. Yeah. Yeah. This is maybe 10 people had the good old brick, right? Yeah. Uh, We didn't have one. And so we didn't know how we were going to get help. The first car upon the scene after Cole said a prayer had a phone. That is amazing. 96. Phones were not common. No. no. I mean, they weren't uncommon either. No. They weren't shocking. They were, it was but, new. It but you was don't still expect new. that people have a phone. No. Okay. No. And so the fact that that first car... And had service back at that time. <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. In the middle of nowhere. Right. To have service in 96. Right. That's impressive. Yeah, that's part of the miracle. Holy cow. They had a phone. They call for help. Cole, of course, is in shock, and he is not hurt at all. So he's just walking. He stayed in his seat. He remembers the entire roll. He hit the back of his neck on the roof of the car as it rolled. I don't know what I hit, how I hit. I don't know. I have a few cuts from the glass that had been knocked out of the windows, I had a few cuts on my arm, nothing noticeably broken, Mm. but I can't breathe very well. And I'm thinking it's just the dust. But I, as I looked down at my feet and thought, okay, I got to get out of the car, right? But I couldn't move and I couldn't feel. I just had to put my trust in the Lord. And as he said that prayer and more of that comfort came and he, he, you know, I was kind of in and out. I don't know that I necessarily lost consciousness altogether, just that fall asleep kind of thing. Yeah. And so they called. We had help come from both uh, Ridge County, Utah, and Evanston, Wyoming, where we're about halfway in between those. The first paramedic on the scene was the bishop of the Woodruff branch, Woodruff Ward. It's a little town, too. They mm. only have one ward. He was the bishop. And he told us later that he was on call. But when he got the call, he was on his way out of town to go hunting with his brothers. And that was so important to him to go with his brothers. But the spirit told him to take this call. Wow. He also shared later that he was very directed, very specifically, what to do with me to not do more damage. They didn't know I had broken my neck. Yeah. They had no idea. And you didn't know. I didn't know. Cole so did didn't they know. Pull you, did the so paramedics they, pull you out? Yes. So they they actually cut the top of the car off. It wasn't smashed on me, but they cut it off because there was no way to get me out without maneuvering me dangerously. Okay, gotcha. And so, so they, they knew. And yes. So they Jaws of Life, I could hear all of that, could hear the noises. I couldn't really say much. I was too weak. But I I could hear it, and they put me on a you know a, a board, got me out of the car, had a neck brace on me to stabilize. They didn't know, and put me in the back of an ambulance. And I don't remember any of this. I do remember long enough, a brief moment, in the back of the ambulance. They put me there to wait for life flight. They had called Air Med wow. from the University of Utah. And I open my eyes, and my dad comes in the ambulance. Hmm? Yeah. So what I didn't know 
is that my parents had come upon the scene. Oh, my gosh. So, because they had all been to the wedding that day. And they were later than us, so they came upon the scene. Wow. He came in, gave me a blessing right there in the ambulance. Do you remember the flight? Bits and pieces. I Do you remember, remember trying to move your feet and hands and everything? No. No, mm-hmm. I, 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 I was out. Yeah. So they put me in the air med, in the helicopter. I had seen my mom's face as they were transporting me from the hel- or the ambulance to the helicopter. I had these brief moments of yeah. memory when they tried to take my contacts out with this suction cup thingy, which oh I don't gosh. know the technical term for, but they yeah. opened my eyeballs, suck out my contacts. What's the first thing you remember? First thing I remember coming to in the neurocritical care unit where I'm hooked to machines. I've got tubes in my mouth. They had intubated. They've got me hooked to a ventilator to keep me alive. I've, and I don't have any idea what I look like. And I don't, I just know nothing. Were but there I, any cuts or anything? Or nope. was it just, okay. Nope, no cut. Just When, when did you discover cuts. that you had been paralyzed then? So they, when I woke up enough to understand they had already told my family this, mm. but when they told me, they let me know that the prognosis was C3-4, which is high, third and fourth vertebra down, complete quadriplegic, ventilator dependent, would never walk. If I got out of the hospital alive, would be in a full care facility for the rest of my life, Gosh, would never I mean. walk, would never breathe on my own, would never move, don't plan on getting married. It's basically the worst prognosis you can imagine. And I want to remind our audience, this is one week before your wedding. Yes, this is a week before. My gosh. So I'm, tw- I'm 23. Cole is 21. Yeah. Planning on the rest of our lives, and that's it. I, I want to make sure that we, get, uh, that we get to all the miracles. Because there's a, <laughs> like, I, I, you know, spoiler alert, you walked into my home. Uh, yeah. So, so you leave the hospital. I'm a walking quadriplegic. I was in the hospital for three months. Three months in a hospital. Three months. Where, where was the? Where does faith play a role in this? I mean, was it despair? Was it total despair? Was it? I, I would have been. I, mean, I never I think did. I would have been in total just despair. I had moments. Yeah. I had moments of humanness because I'm yes. human, and. That is one of the biggest questions I get is like, how are you so happy? And I, this is my message, is that you can still find joy even right in the middle of some of your hardest adversity. Because even though there were the time, you know, they tell me this, and of course I'm devastated. But then I immediately went to, but I'm alive. Holy cow, Abby, that's I awesome. went to positive first. Yeah. I'm alive. My family is here. Cole is here. And he never left my side. That is not usual. That is not the norm. He could have very easily said, she's broken, I'm done. Yeah, of course he could have. Never a thought, never a thought for me. I never thought he might. Mm. He never thought he might. So yeah, three months total in the hospital. Um, Two weeks in neurocritical care. Uh, While I was still there, almost toward the end of that stay in critical care, we received a call. From Elder Holland's secretary, Elder Jeffrey R. Holland. The Elder Holland. The Elder Holland. 
And they had found out about it because he worked out at Deseret Gym. Okay, so this is obviously pre-conference center because they knocked that down to build the conference center. Worked out at Deseret Gym with Cole State President. What are the chances? And he told him, told him about our story. So we get a call asking if we'd mind if they come visit. Are you kidding me? Yeah. This was an answer to prayer again. Yeah, Elder Hall, and I think it's okay. Yeah, if you like, stop no, and visit let me, me fast and pray about that and let me think if that's yeah, okay. Yeah, really, right? So that was literally an answer to prayer because I had been praying. Because when you can't do anything else and you're laying in a bed completely paralyzed, hooked to a machine, keeping you alive, breathing for you, you pray a lot, like more than you ever have before. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I visualized my Savior coming to me and healing me. And then I knew, you know what? If he wanted to, he could do that. But we have the priesthood on earth that is the power to act in his name. And I had already received multiple blessings from my father. Of course. From Cole before I had surgery multiple times. And just wonderful, wonderful blessings. But I just had this thing that I know there are special servants who do this. Yeah, he's just, a special witness yeah, of Jesus Christ. Yeah, special witness of Jesus Christ. So when we got that call, I was like, yeah. So he came about to a couple... To the hospital. To the hospital a couple yep. weeks later. I had been moved from critical care to rehab at this point. And he came with his wife. It was beautiful. Yeah. Did, so a, did he give you a amazing. blessing so then while he was So he gave me there? a blessing. What did he say? I mean, did he tell you specifically... You will walk? You will walk? No. No. So... There's a lot in there, very sacred things, but the sure the there part, are things you would not right, want to share. The part of that I share when I when I when I speak um, is this, and this is this is one of the biggest lessons and the hardest ones I think that we have to learn as humans is aligning our will with God's. Mm. So, of course, my will would have been to jump out of bed and run around, and dance, and sing, and leap, Which is and possible. do it's all the, the things. Right. You know, it happens. Know happen. It happens. So that was my will. Yeah. Um, but in this blessing, he, the lesson he taught with his words were, you know, we, he said this, we are, we are taught that we are to, to come to, to our Heavenly Father and share our deepest desires, all of those things, even though he already knows. Let's be honest. He already knows, but he wants us to share those. And so we are going to share our desires. And that is that Abby will lead a full and happy life doing Mm. all the things she has ever wanted to do. Wow. So what does that mean? That encompasses a lot of things. Yes. Including being married, being a mother, performing. Yeah. Doing all of these things. So what does that mean in God's eyes? I don't know. I know what it looks like for me. But then he says, after he says, these are our desires for her, but thy will be done. Mm. And that was the kicker. So then knowing and understanding, okay, then what is his will for me? And that looks differently for everyone. Yeah. And that is one of the hardest things for me I almost have a survivor's guilt when I meet and visit with others who have spinal cord injuries. Yeah. Who are not walking. 
And I think we have to be careful about that because, you know, we can say your faith can make you whole or whatever, but that's not necessarily God's plan. Exactly. Exactly. And and you can't tell people it was a lack of faith, faith, certainly. Right. Certainly I can't say, well, you must have not had as much faith as I did. No. How long was it after the blessing? Like, how long was that process? So I, that was a, that was not very, I would say about a week before, um, about a week later, a week after the blessing is when Cole was massaging my feet because, um, just before this too, I had started getting feeling back Wow! and it actually was painful. It was stabbing pains, like pins mm. and needles, but like knives and daggers. Were you so, happy just to have pain, oh, oh, or was it like, no, no, now go away? No, no. It was one of those moments that you go, okay, I got to look at the positive here because this is killing me. Like, it was so painful, but it was also, oh, but I can feel, which they said I'd never do. Yeah. So it was the gratitude of feeling and trying to overcome the pain all at once. So it was like this juxtaposition of like, sure, right? The irony of pain feeling good because I can feel. And so that subsided, um, not with drugs, by the way, because that doesn't touch pain like that. But um, And so then it just started being just wonderful to have touch and knowing I could feel people hold my hand and my family and especially Cole when he would come in and he came to the hospital every single day. By the way, he is incredible. I'm going to point out to our audience that Cole's sitting here now. <laughs> I am going to tell the audience that because you just got this great look on your face <laughs> that, that Cole was there every single day, which is just awesome. Yeah, because he, he had a job, but he every day his they would let him go halfway mm. through the day and he would come to the hospital. And so <clears throat> every day he would come and he would, we would, of course, talk and he'd go to all my physical therapy with me and do all those things. And then at the end of the day, um, we'd have our date night in the hospital. Like, how romantic is that, right? But he would massage my feet because I could finally feel. And it, it just awesome. felt so good to get those tingles out. And, and he's sitting there rubbing my feet one night. And and <clears throat> background on Cole, he's a, he's a jokester. He's a tease. And he would watch what the doctors would do. And there was all these tests they would do. And this um, test by rubbing something up the bottom of your foot is called the Babinski reflex. They do on babies. And he thought it was funny because it would make my foot jump. Mm. And so he'd be like, oh, you're moving. <laughs> yep, yep, I'm moving. Well, so he's rubbing my feet this one night. And all of a sudden he says, Abby, did you do that? I'm like, do what? I don't do anything, remember? You know, like it was a joke. And he's like, no, your, your foot moved. He's like, but I didn't do the reflex thingy. I promise I wasn't making your foot jump. He's like, your foot move, try to move your foot. And it took quite a few seconds, but all of a sudden, my big toe moved. And you moved it. I moved it because I was trying so hard and it moved to my command, at my command. And we both kind of look at each other like, (gasps) like, and we didn't even know what to say. Like, we're just like, (laughs) it happened. And then I'm like, wait. And then my whole left foot moved at the ankle. No kidding. And we still just were speechless. I mean, this is like, what do you say? And so excited. We're like crying. And he's like, I think, should I go tell the nurses? I'm like, yeah, probably. They need to know this. This yeah. is huge. Doctors may want to hear yeah, this. Yeah, they want to know. They like so, that kind of Yeah, info. that's like a cool thing. Yeah. 
So <laughs> he goes to leave and I'm like, wait. And I move my whole left leg at the hip. This all happened at once. In seconds. My gosh. And I am dancing in my bed. Remember, I'm a dancer. I am shaking a leg for real. And I'm moving. And I was so excited. And he's excited. And we just still don't even know what to say. He runs and gets the nurses. They all come in. They've been, you know, these, we're all connected. You bond with your caretakers, you know. And we are crying, and we're so excited. We call all the people, you know, call his family, call my family, and finally got through to them. Everybody's so you're telling so the world, oh. how long was it from the time that you, that first night, your first day, whatever, that you were able to move, till you were able to take steps? So that was, like I said, mid-July. I took my first steps, things progressed. Movement went up my left side. I could finally move my arm. I could move my fingers. I could finally scratch my own itches on my face, which was huge. Um, Could finally feed myself. Things progressed slowly. The right side, not so much. But I got to where I had to just, it was a slow process. I had to sit up without passing out. I had to stand, learn how to bear weight, all of these things. I mean, this is a huge process. But September, I was to be discharged from the hospital on September 13th. It was a Friday the 13th, by the way, is a good day for us. We love Friday the 13th. Yeah. And one week before on September 6th, I was doing my physical therapy. She was standing me up. My therapist, Anne, was having me stand in those parallel bars. I was taking steps with my left side because it was the strong side. And I was just, they said, whatever moves, we can strengthen it. So we were strengthening, taking steps. And I said, you know, I have told everyone, I literally did, whoever came to visit me, and especially the doctors, I looked them in the eye and I said, I will walk. Mm. And so I said, I've got one week till insurance says I have to get out of the hospital, blah, blah, blah. And I need to walk. So we start, she's like, great. So we are trying to take steps with my right, but standing there in the parallel bars wasn't working great. So she says, hold on. She goes out comes back in with the coolest walker and we stand up now this is all on video and we can share some links later but they stand me up Cole's right there behind me with the wheelchair stand me up in this walker and I with the help of my physical therapist holding onto my hips because I was super still wobbly walked a few what, 50 feet maybe, Mm. down the hall with a walker. What was that sensation? It was the hardest but most rewarding steps that my feet have ever taken. Mm. More exciting than being on a stage in front of thousands of people was taking simple steps down a hallway in the basement of the University of Utah Hospital Rehab Unit. I think one of the great lessons, I've always loved the phrase that something you're complaining about, there's someone else in the world praying for it. Exactly. And, you know, my kids sometimes complain about, you know, can I have a ride? No, just walk home. Why do I have to walk? Right. And here you were praying for walking. Right. So this changes everything. Yes. I, I, when we talk about miracles, this is a miracle. This is a miracle. This is incredible. How much, uh, how much longer after that were you and uh, Cole married? 
So, um, got out September 13th, did some physical therapy, and we were married the next May 22nd, 1997, 11 months and one day after the accident. Mm. And that was another miracle. I mean, they just, and I wanted to be able to be strong enough to not be married in my wheelchair. Yeah. That was the goal. And I did it. And I walked, I mean, we had the wheelchair there to help me. Sure. But I, my goal was to walk out. And now tell us about your family. And now 23 years later, more miracles. We have a 19 year old who is currently serving in the Chile Santiago South mission. Mm. We have nine fast Sundays left. Awesome. (laughs) We counted fast Sundays. There's a missionary mom right there. Doable number right there. Yep. We have a, senior in high school, my daughter, Taylee. And we have, believe it or not, and those that can't see me or haven't heard my story, my right side does still not work awesome. My right arm is not functional. I have some movement, but it's not functional. But we have twins. We have identical twin girls who are 15. And that is just another story in itself. That is awesome. So this one-armed mom, I just am like, what? Mom. And I'm just like, who? where is the math? Who did the math here? Because, and when people, it's so funny when people ask, so did you want twins? I'm like, are you looking at me? Do you know <laughs> how my body doesn't function like everybody else? Because no, I didn't ask for twins. Mm-mm. Uh, However, before we got married... We did talk about it. And I'm like, how cool would it be to have twins? So you got to stop talking about that stuff. I know, right? <laughs> so we kind of jinxed ourselves. Oh, there. that's so great. Yeah. Abby, this story is just amazing. And I love that you're out telling it. I want to make sure we cover this because you now do a lot of speaking. Yes. You do firesides and speaking engagements. Yes. If, uh, you know, we have listeners of all different types, some who run corporations. Yes. You do inspirational speaking yeah. as well. If somebody wants to either hire you to speak for their company or organization or have them come speak for their stake or their ward, what's the best way for people to find you? You can find me on all the, well, not all the social media, but Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. I have a YouTube channel. And just search for Abby Stevens. Abby Stevens, A-B-B-Y, Stevens with a P-H. Yeah. Let's get that clear. Not a V. Got it. P-H in the middle. Yeah. Abby Stevens, and you can find me there on YouTube. You can see all my videos of me walking for the first time. You can see when I walked out of the hospital. And then um, you can contact me. I have a website, abbystevens.net. Okay. Because .com was taken. But .net, and that has all my contact info. Or on Facebook or Instagram, you can message me any of those ways. So, yeah, I, I love it. I do... So many youth conferences and girls camps. That's a huge one. Relief societies. That's fantastic. But also, like you said, I do corporate. I do events. I do those kinds of events as well. And and it's been a huge blessing to us. Like I said, I I was a performer and now I'm just on stage in a different way. What a blessing and what an inspiring story. I'm so grateful you came here to share it. And now we're going to ask you the question we ask all of our guests, Mm -hmm. which I can't wait to hear from your perspective, and that's Abby, what does being a member of the church mean to you? So because I listened to your podcast, I knew it was coming. <laughs> so I've been thinking about it. And, you know, that is a actually a simple question, yet can be so deep. Um, 
I cannot, absolutely cannot deny that having the fullness of the gospel through the restoration, through Joseph Smith, having the knowledge of what we know, having the faith that I have, having the testimony that I have, will never, ever, ever be able to deny Mm. what I know because of what, where it has gotten me and continues Mm. to get me through faith. I mean, let's be honest, walking with not great balance isn't the easiest thing to do day in and day out. Uh. And and I, you know, I say that very carefully, like I said before, I understand there are worse, there are people worse off than I am in wheelchairs and, and not as ambulatory. But it's hard sometimes to literally put one foot in front of the other. No. And without my faith, I could not do it. Mm. I love it. I love your whole story, Abby. This is so inspiring. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing that with us. She is a speaker, a performer again. (laughs) She is uh, a survivor and uh, just such an amazing, not to mention mother and wife and all those other wonderful things. So Abby Stevens, thank you for coming on and sharing your latter-day life with us. We appreciate it. Thank you. And my special thanks to Abby Stevens. What a fantastic story. And she is just a ray of sunshine. She just brings joy with her wherever she goes. I was very inspired. And to get to meet her husband as well, who is just a wonderful guy, it was a great experience. And I know that you enjoyed that as much as I did. Uh, This week in my latter-day life, my mind was kind of primarily on one thing, and that was uh, the tip-off to the NBA season. I have shared on here more than once that one of my great passions in life is the Los Angeles Lakers, and I was actually in LA this past week uh, for a trade show and realized I was going to be in LA when they played against the Clippers, their first game of the actual season. And I had nothing to do that night, so I bought a single ticket. I actually bought The cheapest ticket I could get, which in LA is still about $200, uh, but I bought a ticket for myself to go sit by myself at the end of a row and just watch this game. Now, Laker fans have really high expectations for what this team is going to do this year, and so I was really excited about it. And one of the two stars for the Clippers, a lot of people think the Clippers are going to be the best team in the league, but one of their two stars was going to be out. And I just thought this was going to be an easy win for the Lakers that night. So I went and showed up, and boy, was I sitting way, way up there. And as I sat down at the end of my row, I sat next to uh, a man, and I, I, there were two men who were together right next to me, and I heard them speaking a different language. And then the man turned and started talking to me in very, very broken English, and I mean, he could barely speak English, but he asked if uh, if I had been to this game before, had I seen them play, and and were these season tickets, and and we, as we talked, I asked where he was from, and he said he was from Shanghai, China, and that he was a huge basketball fan. And so I asked him, who are you cheering for, the Lakers or the Clippers? And he said, oh, I don't care, just all basketball. I love basketball. <laughs> And so uh, the tip-off came, and as we were watching the game, I have never seen anybody enjoy basketball 
as much as this man. It turned out he had gotten to the States just a couple of days before and was leaving a couple days later. And he's just a huge NBA fan, had never been to a game. Now, I started to get a little bit caught up in the game as suddenly my beloved Lakers were losing. Not just losing, but they looked terrible. The first half, they looked great. Second half, they really started falling behind. They went on a couple of runs. But I started to get a little bit stressed out. Now, that's silly. There are 82 regular game or uh, regular games in a season. It's a long season. This is game number one. But I could not help but laugh sitting next to this awesome man who everything that happened, it didn't matter what team it was. If there was a slam dunk, he was cheering. And if there was a three-pointer, he was high-fiving me. And uh, they'd show the kiss cam, you know, or people dancing. And he kept pointing and laughing and patting me on the back. And suddenly the Lakers losing didn't matter as much. Gosh, I love this man. I ended up taking a photo with him because we had so much fun. And at the end, he shook my hand. He said, thank you for sitting with me. And uh, his friend shook my hand and they grabbed their t-shirts and and they took off. And as I took an Uber back over to my hotel, I reflected on the night. And I think I enjoyed sitting with, with this man as much as I enjoyed the basketball. And even though it was a loss, it was a great and wonderful night. You know, we can bring joy with us when we go to places, and happiness really is a choice, and I'm so grateful for this man. I mean, I was going to enjoy the game no matter what. I always do, Uh, but it just gave that extra little spark that night. I am grateful for him. I am grateful for his joy, and I just hope I can be that for somebody, and that's what's happening this week in my latter-day life. Thank you so much for tuning in. We sure appreciate it. If you get a chance to leave us a review, I know we talk about reviews a lot, but the more I learn about how it all works with how we show up on iTunes and on Facebook and everywhere else, more reviews really do help us out. We appreciate it. Uh, If you feel like sharing this with someone who needs a pick-me-up, gosh, we have great guests and uh, we love sharing their stories. We just appreciate it. If you're not following us on Facebook or on Instagram, check us out there. We try to keep things uh, updated on past guests and what they're up to, as well as who our upcoming guests all are. And of course, for your friends who want to listen, we're available on all of the major uh, major platforms where you can get a podcast, including now on uh, Spotify and iHeartRadio as well. So that's about it for this week's episode of the show. So until we meet again. There is a great, big, beautiful world out there. Go be in it, just not of it. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.